When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, y'all. Bayou Benders here to talk to you about the latest from our sponsors, DraftKings. The games are underway, and DraftKings is bringing you to the podium. DraftKings free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in Tokyo and offering a free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes. That's up to $50,000 up for grabs, and the best part is that it's free-to-play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests and opportunities to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions about what you think is going to happen during the day's events and track your results throughout the evening to see if you will achieve a victory. Questions will range from medal counts to questions specific to the USA team. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Head the DraftKings pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. I'm joined today once again by my phenomenal co-host, Corey, the Bayou Benders. How are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, dude. Uh, I'm surprised I'm up. I'm not lying. It is 11. Well, it is now 12 o'clock, so I should be up. But um, I've gone to two um, parties back-to-back, Friday and Saturday, and um, I drank heavily. So I'm just surprised <laughs> that I had enough stamina to, to get this done this early. But uh, I'm doing great, dude. How are you? I'm pretty good. Um, a little tired myself. Had a very, very busy um, like weekend, I guess, and Friday. But yeah, I it hasn't been too busy in the Habs world, so 
had to get busy with some other things, but uh, we were both talking about the Olympics as they are coming to a conclusion. They will have been concluded by Monday. Yeah. Um, just kind of, wow. What like kind of a weird Olympic games. It seems like they flew by. Um, unfortunate that, you know, even after a year's delay, they still weren't able to avoid COVID, but I did enjoy watching them. Like for what I saw, I think it was a little hard to, uh, I don't know about you, Corey, it was hard to find them on TV. Yeah, I actually, uh, I, I hate to say it, but, um, I wanted to watch the skateboarding, um, because that's, you know, something I grew up doing, especially after Hurricane Katrina. Um, and then I ended up having to go to a party that night for my friends, uh, well, my cousin's wedding. And I, the whole time I was there, I was like, can someone put the fucking skateboarding event on at eight o'clock? And it never happened. And then the next day I just was like comatose and just slept and missed all of it. So like after skateboarding, I kind of like, it was already hard enough to find this shit on, on my television. Um, so I just kind of kept up with it, like through Twitter, but it, that was a little upsetting to me, I guess, because I'm not used to the last time it was in Olympics. I was still working at the ballroom. So, like, I was able to watch it when I wanted. And now it was like I had the difficulty of, of having to deal with it, you know, not paying for cable. Mm-hmm. No. And of course, the IOC fucking sucks. So you yeah. couldn't even see replays on Twitter most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's a whole different can of worms that I don't really want to open. But it's funny you mentioned the skateboarding because me and my buddies were getting a pretty good laugh out of uh, the women's event. And not, no, 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 not because of anything like that, but because uh, the gold and silver medalists were both 13 year old girls. And there was a uh, 28, 29 year old American woman who finished fourth. And we saw this like, she had been a big advocate for uh, like getting skateboarding in the Olympics and all this stuff. And we were just, I was just saying like, could you imagine you spend your whole fucking life advocating and just working and training to get skateboarding into the Olympics and it finally happens and you fucking lose to not one, but two 13 year olds. (laughs) Like, oh my God, like that's hard. It's kind of funny though. Like (laughs) that's brutal. Well, I mean, dude, when it comes down to it, kids are so ridiculously good at skateboarding. Uh, They have, you know, lower center of gravity. They don't get hurt as fucking much. And I don't know, dude, it's just, I kind of can understand where she's coming from because like, skateboarding you fall so much that i'm sure by her you know you said what she was 28 like 28 29 something yeah like so like i have like i wouldn't say that like terrible knees but like i feel everything that i've done in skateboarding growing up i feel today and it's kind of fucking scary um and, and i can't imagine doing it on a professional level uh like that Uh, and and like having like the repercussions of it, especially going into the Olympics, you know, for the first time. And then you got these young ass kids who never had to evolve the game. Everything's been like kind of given to them as far as like the trick layouts, like 
the tricks nowadays they're they're pretty much fundament fundamentally there. Like you know, like there's new stuff being improved, but like when this 28 year old was my age, um, you know, there was the tricks were still relatively the same, but like as far as like the the best tricks for judging and shit like that has changed, and it might not be the same as it was for when she was you know hoping to bring the Olympics in. But uh, these 13, you know, these young kids, like, uh, uh, what's her name? She was the the Brazilian. I think she won um, uh, silver or bronze. In she the won recon. gold. It was At gold. The Olympics, didn't she? Uh, I know. Okay. My understanding was the Brazilian won gold. The Japanese won, won silver. It could have been vice versa. I'm not sure. Well, anyway. I know they came a... first and second. That, I'll end up with that, I guess. Anyway, it also could come down to like when when that woman, the you know the older the older woman, um, got into skateboarding. So they got that Brazilian girl that won, and I remember watching this girl growing up, and she was like doing a kickflip off of a um, off of a, a, a ledge, and she was wearing like her little like fairy costume, mm-hmm. and like that shit went viral. Like everybody knows that, and like for like a year you know like it was it was very common to see her stuff pop up on your feeds and now this girl you know first time for women skateboarding in the olympics well skateboarding in general and she gets a medal you know for her country like that's sick as fuck but like that's just like being bred into the culture so you're a young skater it's like a ryan Sheckler, like from like the moment you can ride you've been excelling at it you know you never like jumped onto it as, as a teenager as a hobby you know, and just became good. Like these little oh. kids have been bred into this shit, like monsters. Yeah, it's um. I, I'll be honest, I don't really understand skateboarding, but it, it's definitely cool to see um young people, I guess, succeed in a sport like that. Um, I do think it's, I think it's a little weird to have, I guess, children, like. Summer McIntosh of the Canadian team is 14, and I think that was really, really young, especially in in swimming. Like, that's – I think for the most – in most sports, I guess what I would say is being that young, if you've made it, you're that's because you're exceptional, I suppose, right? Right. And yeah, You're like an up-and-coming – like, you could definitely be like the future of your sport. You know. If you're 14 years old, Summer Mac- for those who don't know, Summer McIntosh, Canadian uh, swimmer for the women's team, uh, phenomenal. 14 years old, medaled twice, I believe. Finished fourth, set Canadian records. Like in a sport with pure strength, like swimming, that's incredible. You're going to be an exceptional talent. You're going to be like she, Summer McIntosh is going to be 17 in her next Olympics. She's still probably going to be one of the, like, if not the youngest swimmer mm-hmm. there. That's just incredible. But I think in skateboarding where you're saying it's almost an advantage, because I know in gymnastics, especially being young is an advantage. And I know in the past, uh, countries have gotten in trouble for lying about girls' age and saying they're older than they are, sending them. So I wonder if in future Olympics we see maybe an age restriction or something, because if it's that much of an advantage and it's kind of, I guess what I'm saying is kind of, I don't know if it's, 
it's just weird to me to I guess to like watch children compete on TV I don't know it just kind of I don't know if you kind of get what I'm saying but I just think it's a little odd I guess it's not there's not anything wrong with it I think it's just a little weird Mm -hmm. I mean maybe uh okay so uh I messed up I think the girl's name is uh Reza Leal if I'm not mistaken that's the girl I was talking about um she did place but you know, I can understand it for, like, skateboarding. It's a brand-new event, you know, but swimming, I could think that, like, maybe maybe as far as, like, Olympics, right, for, for the skateboarding, you don't have maybe enough kids that are of age, so you have, like, these younger kids being brought in, but swimming's, like, kind of dominant. You know, it's been around for fucking forever. Um, but I guess they see it as, well, if there can be, you know – a young kid doing this event, why can't they have one doing this event? I mean, the only thing I can't, the only one I can think of like restrictions is when it comes to like the weightlifting, like the powerlifting and, and like fucking, uh, you know, maybe like more of like the, the pole vault or, or discus throw and shit like that, you know? Well, what I just mean is that I like, I don't think, like, I don't know this for certain, but I'm fairly fucking confident that China got in trouble a few years ago because the, some of their gymnasts were too young. Hmm. And so what I'm saying is it's not like unprecedented right. of the IOC and international, whatever committees, right. To say, no, 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 there is an age restriction here. So I'm just wondering why that isn't the case in a sport like skateboarding. And I'm just saying, I wonder if we will see that if they do deem it to be kind of an advantage Mm. but i don't i don't know like i don't think so uh i think because it's like okay you got youthful spirit and like your drive to like be better is like because it's brand new or or it's just it's i don't know it's still fun and then you have like the older generation where it's more of like skill from from just repetition you know so you just have like more of like the the rising star attitude or like the old veteran you know, so, like, I think it's a great combination. Like, I used to, like, uh, skateboarding's really come a long way since, like, the early 2000s. Um, you know, like, they have, you know, like, the X Games and shit was really all you can watch. And I remember growing up, um, you know, there wasn't really a street event, you know. It was all vert. And, you know, a lot of skateboarders don't have access to fucking, you know, ramps or anything like that. So, it was, like, you never felt represented until street came along and uh ever since then like this this sport has really uh has really fucking um how do i explain it like i remember it was kind of like falling out um and then like tony hall came around and introduced you know a bit of street aspect and then it kind of got its popularity and was showing that street was actually something that that could be um it could be just as good as vert because it was it was always just being judged basic based on you know your abilities on a ramp and not necessarily how you can attack uh you know ledges gaps hubbas um stairs you know anything like that just flat ground work um so yeah uh i hope they don't put a, a an age limit on it just because uh you know 
you, how many, how long would you have to wait to see like a rising star like this, this young girl, or like um, for like my era, like a Nigel Houston, who who you know who was who was at the Olympics, or like a a Ryan Sheckler, like both of them were like the youngest pros of their time for me growing up, and there's kids that are gonna be just like them. Okay, uh, sorry, I just um, I'm reading it right now. <clears throat> uh, age trends across Olympic podiums. Uh, the Olympics or is Olympic, the sports minimum age requirements in gymnastics is 14. Okay. In swimming, it is 14 as well. Yeah. I figured each event had like their, you have to be of a, you know, like a specific age and shit. Yeah. But I guess they, they're saying in sports, like swimming, the age requirement is almost irrelevant because like what Summer McIntosh did is exceptional because you know what I mean. You you take right. years to build up that power. Um, yeah. So what I'm understanding from this article is that it may they may change it, and I think I guess what I think kind of my we'll move on after. I, I kind of just my thought process was like you don't want children exploited. And with, um, sorry, what was the young lady's name from Brazil? Uh, it's, it was like Raya Len or something like that. Well, yeah, her. <laughs> um, in a country, like, I don't know anything about her background, but like a poor economic background like Brazil, right? You would kind of be, I think at least I would be kind of, nervous the exploitation like you know what i'm saying like you win money when you win a gold medal too and i'd be scared that you would maybe see some shit happen there but at the end of the day it's an incredible accomplishment to even compete at the olympics at that age but to win a medal that's just incredible and i doubt they can even comprehend yet like what they've just done right so, um, I guess moving past that, um, were there any other sports, I guess, that kind of caught your eye, like that you were watching or, um, I think, I think, uh, you know, one of the first days that I got to watch was like the swimming. Um, I guess it was like the prelims and stuff like that. Uh, I've gotten into swimming, I guess, just because of fucking the Michael Phelps phenomenon happened it's when I was growing up. So fun to watch. So yeah, I, I I love the uh whatever the one where they have to um like each each uh each lap is a different um style that they have to do. I think that shit's sick. Oh, the uh med medley. I, I guess it's like you know like one one uh forward and back is a you know a breaststroke. The next is like uh freestyle. You know, shit like that. I, I forgot what it's called, but um, I think it's the the medley or something. Yeah, I know what you're, exactly what you're talking about, though. Um, I like that one a lot. Um, man, like I just really wish I, you know, for being stuck at home right now, I just wish I could have watched a lot more of it because uh, this was like one of the first years since I was a kid that I was like genuinely excited, mainly because I just I, it's just something to do, you know. But I I just didn't have access to it. Uh, I would have liked to watch uh, judo, um, 
I do like I do like watching the track. Um, I think that that shit gets fucking wild. Um, I was just, if I'm being honest, I was just so looking forward to watch the skateboarding this year. Um, it just didn't fucking happen, and I think like my uh, my Olympic, you know, participation fell off after that. Uh, volleyball is always pretty sick. Um, I don't know. Swimming, swimming, volleyball, and uh, and the track stuff has always been like, I guess every time I would look at the television at the ballroom, it was one of those three on. So like, I always kind of got caught watching them. Um, I don't yeah. know. I, I feel like I feel like if we can get skateboarding in, we can get like roller hockey in or something like that. That way, we don't have to wait so long for <laughs> for hockey. hockey. Okay. Well. I, as I think we've talked about a little bit on this podcast, um, I used to compete like pretty, pretty competitively in um, track and field uh, growing up. And I was a 400 meter hurdler. That was my main event. That was, um, I was ranked nationally in that event in Canada. And did you see the fucking 400 meter final? Is the one where um, your boy beat the re- beat the record in the Karsten Varholm, yes, from Dude, Norway. I feel so bad for your boy in second, who also beat the record, but came in second like, by a lot too. Yeah, like uh, I think first place was by one point five seconds or something like that, uh, which is like astronomical. In any, yeah, it was honestly. I tweeted it out. I'll repeat it. It might have been the most impressive display of, of athleticism I have seen in a very long time. And that is a very biased remark as someone who's run that event. But I can tell you from my own personal experiences, um, it's kind of a motto on the track that the 400 meter is the hardest event to run because you don't want to flat out sprint it, but you kind of need to. Right. That makes sense, right? I can honestly say the 400 meter hurdles is the hardest event. It's, it's, you're going as fast as you can and you have to keep, for those who don't understand hurdles, hurdles is all about stride pattern. If you watch um, the hundred meter hurdles, especially, you can really notice it. They take three steps between every hurdle. Mm -hmm. And if they don't take three steps, they fall. (laughs) It's (laughs) like, if they're taking, it's all about stride pattern and you've got, so you've got to think while you're, it's just, it's really hard. Um, the 400 meter hurdles is often 13 strides in between hurdles. Karsten, I believe Karsten Vorholm does 13 as well. I don't think he switches legs. Some who are good at switching will switch and do 12. Um, but yeah, beat his own world record that he had set last year by was it was like about a second right i think it was uh over was, a second like it was, it was, yeah it was it was, he smashed it just absolutely dominated the field and like i was just in shock i watched it live i was like oh my god and i knew he was gonna have a good run because in the prelims he ran a um he ran a 40 a 47 or something and like 
the last hundred meters, Corey, I kid you not, he was jogging. <laughs> he just didn't like, he did not care. And I was just like, wow. And I think it's just cool to see someone like, like I was pretty, I was pretty good at the 400 meter hurdles and just that, wow. Olympians are just on another level yeah. <laughs> of good. Um, the second event and honestly, probably my favorite, even though the hurdles were my kind of what I did. I love watching the heptathlon and the decathlon. I think uh, it's honestly like those guys and women are the greatest athletes on the planet to have to compete in 10 sports for the men and seven for the women and like be good at all of them. I just think that's crazy. Like I couldn't fathom doing, and they do it in three days. Like it's, it's insane. Yeah. I've never, I've, I, I don't think I've ever caught it. But uh, I always see the fucking highlights of it, and these people look like—is that the one where they cross the finish line? They just look absolutely like mortified and like just beat down. <clears throat> yeah, like, uh, are you talking about that picture of like Damian Warner and like like the Canadian, sorry, and all of them? They're like dead on the finish line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the decathlon is ten events. Mm-hmm. It's hundred meter dash, long jump shot put high jump 400 oh yeah 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 the second day is they do 110 meter hurdles discus throw pole vault javelin and that's fire they do the 1500 to end it jesus yeah so canadian damian warner broke the olympic record for points smashed the field won gold honestly and i'm not saying it just because he's a canadian I think if you win the decathlon at the Olympics, you are the greatest athlete on the planet. Oh, yeah. Because to compete in all those events and be that successful at all of them, I couldn't, like, I just couldn't imagine. You're like a renaissance man for for artists. Like, can do it all. It's it's insane. (laughs) Um. Now, I didn't get to see it, but I saw it. I saw it was just like trending all over Twitter that uh, the high jumpers from uh, Qatar and Italy um, deciding to just have a, a split gold. Uh, I know yes. it's happened in the past, but I've never seen that, you know, in my. It hasn't happened in over 100 years. Yeah. So. And I thought that was I don't... pretty tight. Did you hear the conversation? Yeah. Yeah. They. Uh... Because the the guy was like, okay, you know, you guys are at a tie. We can um we can go, you know, we can go another basically another like a like a sudden death, you know, longest jump's gonna win it. And the guy from I think uh, Qatar was Qatar. like uh, was like, he said, uh, can we have two gold? Yeah, can we? Can we? <laughs> there was no. Can that can be like a share? And the dude from Italy, like I'm not gonna lie, looked dog tired, like he wasn't gonna fucking be able to jump again. He was like, yeah, I'll fucking share this, like. Well, it's interesting. You talk about the jumper from Italy. Because I um, believe he's the one who won it last time, right? No, he didn't compete in Rio. Oh, okay. He shattered his leg. Uh, he was oh told he might not walk again, like let alone jump again. And I don't know if you saw, he was like crying on the ground. Like, yeah. There's a reason he reacted the way he did. And you may have noticed there was a cast beside him. It was the cast he was in. Oh shit! Okay, you know his coach kept it as motivation. It was wild because, like, they said that the dude from uh, Qatar was like, 
this was probably going to be his last time being uh, yeah. in the Olympics and shit like he that. Won, he won bronze in Rio. Yeah, so I thought that was that was an awesome piece. It um, was it was incredible, and I just love like the man. I can't remember his name from Qatar. Instantly was like, can we have two gold? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, like didn't even hesitate. He was like, why why do we need a? Yeah, like why can't we just? And then the IOC man was like uh it was like kind of a hunger games thing uh-huh. like, it, it's a, it's a possibility and then he just turned to the italian and said history my friend and i was like wow like what a moment i'm glad you brought that up yeah uh his name was uh i'm gonna butcher it but uh mataz essa uh barsham and then italy was uh gianmarco uh temberi yeah so congratulations to both those guys um, I just wanted to bring it back because I forgot what I was going to mention with the decathlon. You had something. Um, when I was talking about the, how they're just like the best athletes, another interesting thing, uh, Damian Warner, the uh, Canadian who won, uh, his running long jump, right? Uh-huh. He would have won the bronze at this game. Wow. That's I just sick. thought that was insane. Like, you, you like to... Like he had like the world's best like decathlon anyone could have had you know like he had yeah i think there's only been two higher scores ever wow so it was it was incredible it was a proud day for uh canadians especially and uh the fact that they could wake up uh in their shitty little cubicles like i just don't understand how like these poor athletes were able to sleep (laughs) <laughs> on, on like the fucked up beds and, and then come out and just like put on like the best of the world you know and compete in those fucking shitty conditions like apparently <laughs> it was it was humid it was hot like there's heat stroke was rampant at these olympics and you don't have especially for the jumpers right they get that clap going in the air to get their rhythm i don't know if you yeah. ever noticed that yeah they're just like yeah, it gets it basically gets them. It's not just a it's not just a height thing. It like gets it gets them in their rhythm for the jump. Like you do it, you'll see it at like the smallest track meets. Uh huh. And to not have that, like I thought it was great that like you'd see coaches from other athletes and even their competitors, they would be clapping for them because you know you, you it's sportsmanship. I just love I love the Olympics. Um. I think it's sad that no one got to see them uh, this year, but I'm so excited for Beijing. Uh, this Canadian Olympic roster, it's looking like it's going to be a good one. We're going to be, we're going to see Crosby with McDavid if NHL athletes compete, which I'm hoping they will. I hope so. Cause uh, I've been waiting for this. Um, if I don't see Crosby with McDavid. 2000. What was the last one? 2014 in Sochi. Yeah. Which Canada won. Thank you very much. Yeah, wait, uh, wait, we won in t- who did we beat in 2010 in the final? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Sidney Crosby had to be put on the map some way, I guess. Put on the map some way. US, US fucking followers had to figure out who he was sooner or later. Why not? Why not destroy us in the Olympics? You're assuming Americans were watching the 2010 Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably just the parents of players and shit like that, and up and coming players. 
<laughs> not gonna lie, not very televised in the South. You know? <laughs> I saw um, recently. I don't think I sent it to you, but I was going to. Um, TSN fucking put out a uh, poll, right? Mm-hmm. And it was, what is the best expansion team? like former expansion team name or logo or something like that. And one, well, I kid you not, one of these goddamn teams was the Shreveport Pirates. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way. <laughs> no. But sure enough, yep, Shreveport Pirates. Yep. I have to acknowledge their existence now. Yep. What did so I didn't even know Shreveport had like I thought it was just like an AHL team or something, but I think it was a uh was it a World Hockey Association team or I'm not sure, but I didn't realize it was like on par with the NHL. And uh what do you know what like happened to them or well I know that uh for those of you who don't know, uh Shreveport is the Oh, my bad. City, city in Louisiana with a hockey program that just won their uh, – what was it, Corey? I thought, League, is I, it? Oh, um, it's the NAHL. Yeah, NHL, NAHL title. I thought the Pirates were a Canadian football team. And they, they just made – oh, were they? Random, they just had a random, um, like, super south fucking added team. Yeah, that's right. I just looked it up. Um yeah, they were in the Canadian Football League. Oh, there you go. Maybe it was just blanket. Yeah, I, it was probably it was just like, all the sports. It was all – I'm kidding you not. It was all fucking NHL teams and Shreveport. So I just assumed they were uh, – <laughs> I think we've had this conversation before, actually, and I just forgot. But, yeah, no, I thought that was interesting. Um, I guess moving on to some Habs stuff. Yeah, I have a, a bit of shit. Yeah, I'd love to move on from that. Fucking torched. Uh for, for not having it remembered. Um, but then again, I didn't, I don't watch a lot of football anymore. I was a kid growing right. up that I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to play the sport. Like I, I didn't really see a lot of fun in watching it growing up. I guess I was just so active. I just wanted to play it, you know? Um, yeah, this, this sadly, this just, it's the off season. There's not a lot of Habs news, but there's a bit, you know, uh, I mean, if you want to, I have some stuff written down. We can go over it. Uh, first, uh, let's just acknowledge Thomas Tatar signs his two-year, uh, $9 million deal with uh, New Jersey, who is looking like a stacked team. Yeah, what a fucking offseason from the New Jersey Devils. Uh, who's the uh, GM over there? It's uh you would think I would know because I did like a half a season, but I'm not gonna lie. I Tom Fitzgerald, yeah. I knew I didn't know shit about uh New Jersey other than I was like, oh well PK's there and and, and Taylor Hall's there. <laughs> yeah, well what like fucking Tom Fitzgerald has had a great off season. Like you said, picking up Dougie Tatar. <clears throat> uh, who else did they grab? Uh there's a big one I'm forgetting. Off the top of my head. Um, it'll come to us. Yeah, it'll come to us. As I scroll. Um, 
But no, while we while we fucking think about it, uh, I just want to say, you know, that I wish things worked out a little bit better with Thomas Tatar and us, but uh, it is what it is. And, you know, I just w- wish him the best going forward. They signed Jonathan Bernier. Uh, I don't know. How do you feel? Um, how do you how do you feel about what happened to Thomas Tatar, especially like like you kind of felt it was coming the way that they sat him um, for the rest of the, the playoffs and stuff like that. But um, he was never a bad player in my eyes for this team. I mean, he immediately came over and turned helped turn that that first line into like arguably the only thing we really had for a, for a minute, you know, to be excited about. Uh, yeah, I, I think honestly the situation with um with Tatar was handled pretty horribly. Um I don't think – I don't know. I just don't think Montreal has managed that asset as well as they should have. Thomas Tatar is an elite offensive five-on-five performer, and he has been since he's been in Montreal, and he has been for his entire career. Mm-hmm. He scored six straight 20-goal campaigns. Um, he is, like I said, dynamic five-on-five. He has – rare sort of stick handling ability. He's got that flair. He's got skill. He's a skilled player. And he's, he expressed his interest in staying in Montreal before the playoff fiasco. Now, Montreal made the Stanley cup final benching Thomas Tatar. So take that as you will, but I do think Montreal needs to realize they will not be making the Stanley cup final next year. We're probably not going to have a playoff push. We'll see the, I think it's, it'll be easier to determine when we see the on ice product, right? Like right now we're just looking at guys on some paper, but I do think Montreal should have done a lot better in. If you knew you weren't going to sign him, you should have traded him. Yeah. You're not lying. Because he is on a discount deal in New Jersey. And he, I'm telling you right now, he's going to produce. He's produced everywhere he's gone except Vegas. But the problem, the the fact of the matter is, he doesn't produce when he doesn't get chances. Mm -hmm. And he'll get chances in New Jersey. He'll probably play with fucking Jack Hughes or Nico Heischer. Like, this is, it's going to be, I kind of cringe and wince when I look at it. Because I can already imagine the taunting on Twitter we're going to receive as Thomas Tatar puts up 65 points next year. Because I, I really do think that's what you're going to get from him. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I feel bad because, like, Thomas Tatar can come to a team that's struggling and make them a team that can bring in big assets. And then they bring in all these assets, and now Thomas Tatar is no longer getting the ice time that he – that makes him as good as he is, and then he just gets shipped off to the next team that needs to to recover and does it with them. So, you know, kudos to him for being able to fucking uh, turn a, you know, a, a team that is in a rebuild into something new. But um, I guess his next his next great shot at doing it is in, is in New Jersey. Uh, the other big um, pickup for them was Ryan Graves from Colorado. That's That was a phenomenal, like, because – that was a case of, you know what? 
Colorado got something, right? Yeah, and I think it was it was just so a man for man. No, it was a it was a trade between uh, uh, Mikhail Matsov and a, a second round twenty twenty one pick that's... for Ryan Graves. I think that's a. I think they have one of the a, a, one of the stronger decors in the league now. No, definitely. Um, but sorry, just moving back to uh, the Devils roster. Um. And sorry, Thomas Tatar. Uh, I think he honestly picked the best situation possible for himself. Mm-hmm. Like he's realistically, he's gonna play in the top six. He's gonna play with Heesher or Hughes, who are both, you know, well, Hughes offensively is just dynamic. He's going to be a superstar in this league. Heesher hasn't had um I think the seasons that New Jersey fans have wanted from him, but I, he's no, he's no slouch. He got, he had, he's on the way up. He had 52 points his rookie year, 47 the following in 69 games, 36 and 58 last year, 11 and 21. He's had some injuries, but I do think he is on pace to, you know, break out. He's going to have a good year. He's only what, like 21, 22 years old. He's going to, he's going to find that group. He is going to be a very good player in this league. And I think more realistically, if Tatar plays with Jack Hughes and I don't know who's going to be on that right wing, they don't, they're pretty thin at right wing. So we could see, sorry. Okay. So uh, I did, I did a piece with, with uh, Neil, um, during the last season, mm-hmm. and he was catching me up on some guys that I, I needed to watch. And one guy I did watch was uh, Igor Sharangovich, who, who they, they just signed. who they just re-signed. And um, he's I'm on I'm on cap friendly right. I mean uh, daily face off right now. So the lineup as of right now that they have is uh, Yanni uh, Kukinen, Jack Huge, uh, Jack Huge, Jack Hughes, uh, Igor uh, Sharangovich. Then you got Tommy Tuna with Nico Heischer and Jesper Bratt, which is a solid line. It has um, staked at uh, the 12th second uh, second line in the league right now. Obviously that's gonna you know change as the season goes goes about, but that's a pretty that's a pretty uh, it's actually their their highest uh, rated line right now. Really? Yeah. I know Igor was a rookie last year too, mm-hmm. was he not? Yeah he was he did great. I actually, uh, I had him as like a pinned guy in fantasy, in case like New Jersey started like breaking out. I think New Jersey is going to be a great team for years to come. I really do. Even looking at the roster they've assembled, dude, they got Nolan Foot. Who is yeah, <laughs> um, but like Doug Hamilton on that blue line. Will Butcher is, I don't think, what they thought he was going to be, but I think he's solid. Uh, like you said, Ryan Graves. I think Ty Smith is a great player as well. Great young mm-hmm. defenseman. He's only 21. Um, Damon Severson, dependable. Uh, Connor Carrick, I think, is definitely serviceable. And you've got Kevin Ball, who is a fucking monster. Um, didn't play a lot. Uh, last year, but I think he'll probably break into the lineup this year. He projects to be a very good prospect. I think they're going to be a very, very good team. 
I think they're going to kind of be built like they were in the late nineties, early two thousands with, you know, maybe a, you have a Patrick Eliash who is a pretty good forward. You've got like, but really built from the back end and, you know, with the addition of obviously the dynamic offensive ability of Jack Hughes, but built from the back end, you've got, you know, your superstar and Dougie Hamilton on the back. And I think, I don't know if you would disagree, but looks to be a superstar goalie in Mackenzie Blackwood. I liked Blackwood last year. So uh, that team is kind of has a soft spot in my heart now. So I have a Jersey of theirs. So like, despite not being able to really watch them as much. Um, I always like look up and like news for them and stuff like that throughout the year. Uh, crazy enough. Uh, they have Ryan Graves and Dougie Hamilton next to each other. Daily Faceoff has them as the number one defensive pairing in the league. Ryan Graves is an analytical sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, and Dougie Hamilton's like the greatest two-way player right now uh, defensively other than Oh, Kale McCarr. Not, not, I know, Quinn, not um, Quinn Hughes. I know we were going to talk about more Habs stuff, but can we maybe discuss um, some of those defenseman contracts and then get back to it? Yeah, sure, because uh, it's it's ugly. <laughs> I think it's, Darnell Nurse is like the highest paid defenseman. It's horrible. Oh, that is shit. awful, man. Horrible. Um, I, 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 sorry, I'm like stunning over my words here. I cannot imagine a world in which Seth Jones makes more money than Kale McCarr. And it's like these moron GMs are trying to one up each other. Cause then you pay Zach Wierenski more than Kale McCarr. And I th- honestly, I think initially I thought Seth Jones' contract was the worst. No. Ugh. Who the fuck is going to pay Darnell Nurse nine goddamn million dollars for eight years after a shoot after a season when she broke out of fun offensively with like a shooting percentage of like 22%? Ken Holland has had like the worst offseason ever <laughs> like i think he would have been better the, the oilers would honestly be better off if they just didn't do anything oh man and like the whole time i was sitting back and i was going oh thank god we signed jeff petrie last year yeah you're not lying because this was uh you know i actually thought that when they signed um Kale McCarr that we were going to, okay, you know, it, it's somewhat of a, a friendlier deal for the team that obviously needed to resign, like, um, you know, Landis Gog and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, this is, this is, this should be like our limit, right? There mm-hmm. should be what people are looking for. And they were just like, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and you see fucking um, Seth Jones. And once Seth Jones made his nine, I was like, and now we're about to see the you know floodwaters of just overpaid average defensemen because I mean other than Dougie Hamilton I was not really I did not really see anybody on that list other than uh McCarr and and Hamilton that I was like okay um should be even close to the the nine you know the nine mill club 
Yeah, I, I just, I, uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't justify <laughs> paying any of those guys that much money. And I think like you really, you look at teams that have been successful and they do have a big defensive guy, but they don't have the guys that succeed and do well, that get paid that much money on the back end, know how to defend and provide offense. And I think in the Oilers case, Darnell Nurse is that contract is going to hurt them for so, so long. And I don't blame Darnell Nurse. Like I, it, it looks like Ken Holland offered Darnell Nurse a contract and Nurse just went, uh, uh, yup, like I'll fucking sign that. It just blew my mind. Didn't they, uh, didn't they sign uh, Tyson Berry too? They signed Tyson Berry. Or was it like an extension? Yeah, they extended him for – let me see how much. I mean, I'm just thinking, like, they probably put all the money they could to, to – <laughs> I get it. Like, that, that one of their biggest struggles has been defense, but I just don't but, think that the two guys that are there that weren't making it the difference that they needed to just sign them uh, longer and more, and more expensive. They signed Tyson Berry for only four and a half. Okay. For three years, which I think Tyson Berry's got to be looking at that going. Like that, <laughs> got honestly. Fleeced. Like, yeah, that shocks me how cheap that is, especially after the season he had. I like, I remember being kind of under the impression that Tyson Berry was, you know, going there to earn some money and then, or sorry, earn, like, get some points on the power play with Connor McDavid so that he could earn some money. It's actually taken like a cap like reduction on his cap hit, mm-hmm. but I, I I don't know. Maybe he really does believe they can win there. I don't know. I just think if you have a guy, I like Tyson Berry as a player. He gets a lot of hate. I think if you just accept what he provides, which is offense, you're going to be happy with him. Yeah. But I think he's one of those guys that if you have him, you got to have someone who can make up for him. You can't have two of those guys. And the Oilers' two best defensemen because Clef bombs out for another year, which is horrible because he really, really broke out before that injury. Um, your two best defensemen are the same player. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like they're they're not. And then, gonna... you, and then you lose Eric Bear, so it's Ethan Bear. Yeah. Ethan, my bad. Yeah, it's just. I don't know. Talk about poor asset management. That's poor cap management from Ken Holland. <sighs> Jesus. I don't know, dude. Um, I'm just, like you said, I'm just so happy we didn't have to make any, like, any big, you know, crucial defensive signings. Um because this would have been the year that really fucking sunk us. Like, you want to talk about putting a team back was to have to sign a defenseman this season. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to say looking back, that Dennis that David Savard contract is phenomenal. It looks beautiful. That's what, you know, I, I meant like, you know, like um, your, like, top pairing defenseman, like either a re-sign or, you know, something like that. Like, basically what would happen to everybody else. Uh 
I think yeah, but- Savard signed at a, at a beautiful deal that looks amazing now. I'm just on it as a Canadian. And I saw it today and I was reminded, sorry, that fucking Hockey Canada overlooked Joe Sackick and Steve Eiserman and has fucking Ken Holland as our GM for the Canadian Olympic team. <laughs> and yeah, that, you're laughing. I'm in pain. <laughs> I don't think you can really mess up Team Canada, but Jesus Christ. Um, I guess in some final closing Habs news, cause it's been a pretty long episode. Uh, kind of funny story coming out of Toronto. Uh, hearing that Galchenyuk and the Leafs isn't totally closed, but the, apparently the Habs are sniffing around uh, on a possible reuniting with uh, Alex Galchenyuk. And I just want to get your uh, your take on that. I feel so bad for Alex Galchenyuk because if there's no room for Thomas Tatar or like a Philip Dano who's feeling pressured to move on, where the fuck are you going to put Alex Galchenyuk? Like honestly, not on this team. Like that's the pro- that's the problem. Like they moved on from you before, and this poor kid has like really never been given an opportunity to, to, to prove he still got it. And when he does, it's like ah, we we got too many assets, and you need to move on, dude. There's there's just no spot for him, sadly. So I think my mindset with Galchenyuk is. If Montreal were to sign him to like a close to league minimum million dollars, something like that, right? I think from a hockey standpoint, it's not a great move. But from a purely emotional standpoint, I would be over the moon. <laughs> I'd be so <laughs> fucking happy if we could re-sign Galchenyuk. Uh my very first Habs jersey is an Alex Galchenyuk jersey. Um, was my favorite player when he was here. So, heard that. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd be happy. I think at the same time, I don't see it happening, especially the way he kind of left Montreal unceremoniously. Um, I remember um, when I was working at the bar, we would get. Um, you know, we would come home pretty wasted. And um, I remember I would stop at Walmart because Walmart was still 24 hours. Um, and it was amazing. I loved I loved shopping for all of my needs at fucking 4 to 5 a.m. when no one was in there. Even if they just had one cash register open, there's just, there's like maybe like 20 people in Walmart. And so like, you know, over, you know, multiple hundreds of people. Um, but I used to fucking, I have like about 500 um hockey cards from like the i'd say like 2013 to 2016 17 era mm-hmm. um and galax alex galax alex galchenyuk was the uh was like the big tin box you can get he was on the cover of it him and carrie price and i got both of them oh really yeah and my, my wife was like you've got to throw this shit away so i threw the tins away uh sadly because i was like oh you could use it for your fucking weed or something you know like <laughs> like i was just trying to keep them uh but no i went and bought a binder so now i have like this seven pound binder full of fucking hockey cards that um my add self 
had to take them all out and put them in alphabetical order, and that was like it took it took a month at least because I, I couldn't oh, stay on it long. But um, I like Alex Galchenyuk. I, I just wish better for him. You know, he just got kind of got laid a, a, a shitty hand um, with with this organization as far as like sticking to a position and letting him perform in it and then just getting moved around the entire league. Um, I really was hoping that Minnesota would have been like a, a, a great spot for him, even Pittsburgh. And it just, I don't know, just never worked out for the poor, the poor guy. I, I just hope he finds a place. Sign him to yeah. Florida. <laughs> just somewhere. I think, Realistically, Gachinik would have to find somewhere he could play in the top six, top six role. Send him to Nashville. Nashville's fucking. It's all like uh, it's it's basically what. What do you call the the old the, the league with old people in it? The senior the alumni, league. The alumni. Alumni senior league. Uh, that fucking Nashville. Nashville's old as fuck. I, I mean, yeah. They, granted, they got rid of a lot of people, but when we first started the hockey podcast network, I remember the first things I I, I had looked up about Nashville uh, and I was like Jesus we're the oldest team and like the the median age was 28 years old and I was like Jesus Christ dude like these poor guys are all playing with like fucked up knees and shit you know like basically trying to play like a game of shinny out there but I think he could excel out there because he could play top six minutes he could play top like top line probably yeah, I just don't think he's a third-line player. I think some players – you see that with, like, a bunch of guys who are maybe former first-round picks and stuff who you're like, how can this guy – why is he better on the second? Like, I just think you mm-hmm. need time in space, right? And I think Gautchenik's one of those players. But uh, I think that's going to wrap things up today. Um, we've been talking for a fucking – a while. Yeah, a hot minute. Yeah, but- so uh, – well, do you have any last parting words, Corey? I'm going to fucking ramble these really quick. Uh, Michael McNevin and Michael Pizzetta signed a one-year, two-way contract extension. Uh, kudos to them. Alex Burroughs got his three-year con- uh, contract extension. He was really uh, – you know, we saw we saw what he was capable of with this power play during the playoffs. Um, and then Eric Raymond has, has been named uh, – our goalie coach says he wants to keep it simple. He's not trying to change anything. He just wants a great relationship with the with the goalies themselves, and that that'll help them, you know, excel in their position. That's all I have. All right, sick. Well, I don't have anything to add, so I'll just thank you guys for uh, taking a moment to or a fucking hour, I guess, to listen to us if you made it this far. So thank you sincerely, and with that, that's Habs Nightly. Thank you guys for stopping by. Where can they find us? They know where they can find us at Habs Nightly. <laughs> anyway, folks, uh, one more thing. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail of 90 seconds telling us how uh, long these episodes are and you can't stand it or just how stupid I am or how uh, gifted Mason is. Uh, you, can fi- you can find our voicemail at www.speakpipe.com forward slash Habs Nightly. You guys have a great week and we'll talk to you all soon. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.